to the early May edition of Bass Edge Radio. Bass Edge is brought to you by MegaWare Keelguard, also the maker of the Flex Step and Skegguard. Help protect your boat from harmful rocks and road debris with MegaWare Keelguard. Well, it is no secret that spring has finally set in and the bass are on the move all over the country. As a matter of fact, we are moving just as fast here around the Bass Edge Studios between fishing adventures. Bass Edge is always trying to bring you the most interesting and updated bass fishing knowledge in the industry. Aaron, this is going to be a fun episode. We have a BASS Elite Series angler in our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight, and we'll be diving into his knowledge and tournament success during the spring season. Well, you know, Kurt, I have noticed some great feedback on Twitter and Facebook accounts and really look forward to continuing to interact with the Bass Edge listeners. Well, hey, hey, slow down, Aaron, before you hit the computer. Let's get this show on the road. Bass Edge Radio begins now. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing. Coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. It's great to be back with Bass Edge Radio once again. Aaron, you've been all over the place. You know, I was over at Table Rock a couple weeks ago. Didn't even get a chance to see you. I know. What is up with that? Unfortunately, my travel schedule has me going across the big pond twice, actually. So uh, my airline miles have racked up, and in the meantime, I seem to have caught a little bit of a head cold. So anyway, I sound like I'm in a cave, I guess. Oh, I was thinking you were getting froggy on, on me today. But... Hey, it's about that time of year. It won't be long, and you'll be hearing those suckers chirping like crazy. That's right. That's right. Well, I tell you what, you know, being over there at Table Rock, I had a lot of fun. Partially, you know, we've spent a little time together there in the fall, and I was able to utilize some uh, of the areas that we fished together before and um, go out there and have a decent finish. You know, I had a great time. The water temps were still brutally cold. I'm so happy that things are starting to warm up because uh, several mornings I had frost on my boat. I could not believe it that that was the case. But uh, at any rate, you know, real quick, one of the keys for me in that event was finding the contrasting water between the really clear typical table rock water and then some of the dirtier water in the backs of the creeks and I found that if I could find where that was meeting one another those fish were really susceptible to uh, some presentations that I had going which was you know the typical springtime stuff I'm a big I'm a flit 120 fan so throwing a jerk bait a little crank bait even had some nice windy days where I could jack some on a spinner bait uh, kind of a long lost art you don't hear a whole
whole lot about that anymore, but I uh, had a lot of fun down there. Wish I could have seen you, but glad you're back in Missouri and back with Bass Edge Radio for another awesome episode. I'm glad to be back, and you know what? Like we always say, if we can't actually be out fishing, I'd just as soon be talking about it with uh, yourself and certainly the loyal listeners of Bass Edge. And you guys did wreck them down there, and hats off to you, Kurt. Consistency, obviously that lake, given the shad kill, I know, I don't know if you experienced that when you were down there, but the last tournament that I fished earlier in the year, the shad kill was just massive given the fact that we had just a brutally cold winter, which certainly that comes into play anytime you have that many shad dying. You know, it's kind of hard to compete against the real thing when they're just floating right down in front of your face. No doubt, and it was still going on. There were still some shad that were dying off, being the water temperatures were still really cold. Heck, the week before the event started, luckily you were out of town, but you had ice and and a little bit of snow and, you know, some crazy weather for early April. Yeah, speaking of which, you know, when I flew out, we actually, uh, I didn't know if I was going to make it to the airport. It was still sleeting and snowing and uh, so glad to get out of there. But, you know, kind of transitioning along the news front, I've been watching your uh, Bass Blaster coming out from Jay Kumar. Uh, Been quite a wide array of news topics. I know that a couple things in particular, there's a, an ex-football player, I believe, that's getting into the sport of bass fishing, and also something interesting was found in a fish that was caught by a gentleman. I forget even where that was from. Yeah, well, I remember it was a saltwater fish. The thing that you remember about that fish is Jay was reporting that when the individual was cutting up the fish and, and uh, you know harvesting that fish, he found a sex toy inside of it. So, hey, maybe we've got uh, new avenues for new bait. Right, I'm gonna have to go do some research and uh, see what's out there, and and uh, maybe we can have some new lures hit the market. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think we're probably skirting on the edge of making this beyond the PG rating, and good luck trying to come up with names for those new lures. But if anybody can do it, I'm sure you can. Oh yeah, I'm sure I, I could have a few ideas. Uh, but yeah, you know, you touched upon the ex Cowboys player Gerald Sensiball. Man, that is super cool. He's fishing the Northern Opens. He's fishing the Southern Opens, and uh, you'll have to get on back. Blaster to check out all the cool stuff that Jay Kumar brings to the fishing junkie. And uh, you can sign up for that at Bass Blaster at BassGold.com. Again, that's Bass Blaster at BassGold.com. Jay Kumar taking the Bass Blaster to very new levels. And uh, talk about new levels. The last several episodes, Aaron, we've mentioned an opportunity to get involved with Bass Edge through a partnership with Lucas Oil, one of our sponsors here at the show. How's that going? Well, as should not be surprising, the Bass Edge Nation lit up our emails when we put the call out there for quality people. Man, it's just been off the hook. A lot of great people have responded and just want to kind of share as a result of that versus us kind of serving as the middle person. They can go directly to the website which is www.inmotionwd.com so that is i n m o t i o n wd.com if you want to find out more about the Lucas Oil opportunity call Pete directly his contact information is on there or you know what obviously Lucas has been one of our supporting sponsors for gosh I don't even know how long you can also order product and have it shipped directly to your door on anything that they manufacture so kind of a a win-win situation on both fronts there I tell you Lucas putting out the products that really help everybody and we got Mark Negust always talking about Lucas products in our Marine Tech Minute and Again, you know, I've checked out the website, a lot of awesome products. The website, again, InMotionWD.com. 
dot com. So uh, Bass Edge Nation, go ahead and check that out. Do we have Mark today? What, what's going on? Yeah, I was about ready to say, speaking of Mark, he does such a great job of bringing us up to speed and really raising our IQ when it comes to taking care of not only our boats and the rigs that we fish out of, but also our tow vehicles. Let's go to our Tech Minute, brought to you by ProtectTheHarvest.com. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. It's that time of our show when we chat with a man who has won the Lifetime Achievement Award twice. Okay, maybe not. Tech Minute presented by ProtectTheHarvest.com with Brainiac, Mark Negist, chemist of Lucas Oil Products. Listeners have peppered us with questions for you, and we continue to integrate those in the show. And we've got one from Jason from Northern California, and he wants to know, what is the proper way to store fuel in your boat to reduce condensation, tank full or empty? I've personally heard both. Also, what additive do I need to use to keep the fuel quality high and prevent performance issues if I only use my boat, say, two times a month? Help Jason out, Mark. Okay. There's different rules of thought. Some people say, you know, you want to keep it empty. Some people say you want to keep it full. Personally, I think keeping your fuel tank full is probably the best way to go. The reason being is there's less opportunity for condensation to form within your fuel tank. The only issue you have is at the beginning of the season, you have to run that older fuel through the system. But you can prevent that fuel from degrading by using the Safeguard ethanol fuel treatment. What it is, is it's a fuel stabilizer as well as a fuel treatment. So it does contain components in there which allows you to store the fuel for a period of time, in some cases up to a year, so that when you do start your engine, you don't have the deposits, the gums, the varnishes that form during that storage period. Well, great question. Certainly, we do not want to be in a position of being broke down when it's time to hit the water. Once again, Mark, you are the Dr. Phil of the marine world. This is Bass Edge Radio. Two fishermen came together with one agenda, to construct bass boats superior in design and build with a flawless finish, with our boat's exhilarating handling and smooth ride. Extreme rough water just doesn't exist. We're not just building a boat. We're building a legend. Legend Boats. This is FLW Tour Pro Adrian Avina, and you're listening to Bass Edge Radio. We break into newbie to Bass Edge Radio today. This angler has been knocked on the door for his first big win, but no matter how he fishes on the BASS Elite Series, he's always looking good as he is the master of accessories. We'll get more into that a little bit later, but welcome to the show, Britt Myers. Thanks for hanging with us today, Britt. Kurt, man, guys, thank you very much for having me on. I'm excited to be here today. Well, Britt, we're excited to have you, and you know, honestly, I'm really looking forward to chatting with you about your off-the-water business, but first, what's your short version of how you became a BASS elite angler? Well, you know, I started in bass clubs. I remember 
just starting out fishing bass clubs and being a guy who never caught a fish and got a little more comfortable and then started doing well in bass clubs and then moved on to the BFLs and things like that. But years ago, I, uh, Jason Quinn and I, we live here on this home lake of Lake Wiley, and we used to fish a lot of tournaments together here. And just for the heck of it, I actually fished the Bass Opens right before the inaugural year of the Elite Series. And wasn't even thinking about fishing the Elites and all that good stuff. And I actually qualified. I had a good season, qualified for the Elites. And when it was all said and done, I had about 18 days to make a decision whether I wanted to fish the Elites. (laughs) And, you know, and and it happened. And at the very, very last minute, I decided to do so. And so here I am. That's a great story. You know, there's so many people that, that want to qualify to try and fish the Elite Series and uh, to do it, you know, on a whim your first time out. That had to make you feel pretty good, build that confidence a little bit. Well, you know, it took probably fishing the Elites one or two years and then going back and fishing the Opens because every year I'll fish some of the Southern Opens. You know, there's about 150 guys there whose dream is to fish the Elite Series. You know, when you're fishing the Elite, you're all tied up in how good you're doing and trying to make the Classic and all this stuff. But when you go back and fish the Opens and you see exactly where you're at, it really puts things in perspective. Well, not only that, Brid, but I think about the fact that you had 18 days to make that decision. And to put that in perspective, some people think that that's just, okay, am I or am I not? But, you know, there's a whole business aspect that comes into that from funding. And obviously, we don't participate in a cheap sport. You're exactly right. And like I said, it wasn't even a thought until it was over. I remember someone calling telling me on the way home from that tournament. It was in Florida. It was on uh, Kissimmee to tell me, dude, you made the elites. You know, are you ready to go? And I'm like, I was just kind of dumbfounded at what to do. And it was a huge decision. And my family backed me up on it. And like I said, the rest is history. Yeah, that that's an important aspect. When your family's in behind you, that, that makes it that much easier. And, and quite frankly, it makes it that much more fun. So uh, hats off to that, Britt. Good story. Great to have you. Obviously bringing some Carolina roots to Bass Edge Nation. We've actually had a couple folks on our Twitter and Facebook ask if uh, you could get on here just for uh, several reasons. One of them being your other business there. But obviously your success in fishing, man. I was looking at some of your past statistics and you just had a great event on Table Rock. You finished 19th place in the last elite event over there. And looking at your past record on White River Empowerments, man, you got a second at Bull Shoals. You got a couple other top five. Matter of fact, you've cashed a check in every event that you've competed on the White River. That's pretty freaking amazing. And what do you attribute your success to fishing those clear types of impoundments? To me, it's a lot like the Tennessee River chain, you know, all the Tennessee River impoundments. Basically, it's real fertile water. There's a lot of fish, a lot of activity. You know, I'm not the type of fisherman who likes to go to one area and fish all day long. I love to move around. And when you've got a great fishery like that, you can pattern fish and you can move around extremely fast and you can locate schools of fish, whether it's post-spawn or pre-spawn. There's always schools of fish to be caught. And that's right in my wheelhouse. And you take me to Florida where i got to fish one 200-acre area all day long and I tend to struggle. But, you know, when you got schools of fish, you can fish crankbaits. And crankbait fishing is my strength. So, you know, that's kind of what I'm about. Well, Britt, I think for the most part, when you get to a certain level in angling, it's less about the baits and the equipment. Obviously, those things come into play, but really, I think all of us would agree, it comes down to making decisions. And here we are, first part of May, you're fishing kind of the pre-spawn, spawn stage, depending on maybe even some post-spawn, depending on the part of the country that you're in. But let's say you're on that clear water impoundment like you speak of. What are the clues that you're taking into account to determine how you should begin fishing? You know, going back to like Table Rock and Bull Shoals, even though you're fishing 30, 40 yards off the bank, it's a lot like ledge fishing. There may be a bluff, and then it goes to a 45 degree, back to a bluff. 
So a lot of it, you're just using your electronics, just kind of finding those transitions of banks and things like that. So to me, it's just like being a mile offshore because you're really just paying more attention to your electronics than actually looking at the bank, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that sure does. You're seeing what the bank looks like, and then you're taking into account what you're finding on your electronics. How do you then go about attacking it? Are you just fishing everything that's there, or are you picking specific areas when you start your day? The thing is, when you know you got a place, you know, Table Rock has a gazillion fish in it, and so does Bull Shoals. So in your mind, these guys are going to catch them. They're going to catch them really good. So if you're fishing and you're getting a bite every hour, you got to leave. It doesn't matter if you just caught an eight-pounder. You know, you're not going to go back and catch that same fish. So you got to move around a ton until you find a lot of fish. And even if you practice for three days, and let me back up one second. Even at Bull Shoals last year, I had a fifth-place finish. I didn't catch squat the first two days of practice. It was just <laughs> like at 1 o'clock... The third day is when I finally figured out what was going on. But I never got discouraged. Kurt, you know this. We'll be out there, and you're away from your family. you got so much going on, and you go a day or two without catching anything. You start wondering what the heck you're doing out there. But, <laughs> right. but then all of a sudden, you find a secret area, or a good area, I should say, where you catch several, and it gives you the energy to drive to start covering water, and then that's when things start happening. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's take you back real quick. You know, When you're speaking of kind of looking at areas and finding areas, obviously in the Elite Series, we've got several days of practice. Let's say we switch it back on you and you're back to your weekend angling days, fishing the BFLs, or even just going out fun fishing, you know, maybe taking your family out on the lake. And all week you're working the 9 to 5, as most of Bass Edge Nation does. And you got a tourney this Saturday, or you're just going out fishing this Saturday at Lake Norman. No practice time. You get a little condition info on the Internet before you go. What are your thoughts when you're leaving the launch, and how are you processing what you need to do to be successful specifically in this spring? time of year let me answer this as far as having elite series experience because having the experience that you and i have now i only wish i had this fish in the bfls years ago because it doesn't matter how tough it is how much rain how bad it's flooded how much it's hail it doesn't matter the weather somebody always catches them it's never a tournament where nobody catches them and so what happens is when you start your day out and things are tough and you only catch a few fish at the end of the day you're only wanting that one more fish and you're thinking well maybe everybody struggled so now if I was to start out like Lake Norman this weekend and I was to start covering water, you've got to keep an open mind. You've got to try multiple techniques, different depths. You've got to move around until you really figure them out because someone is going to catch them. And basically for me, if I move around enough all day long in an eight-hour period, there's always what I call a magic moment, whether it's a three-fish flurry, two-fish flurry, something maybe two five-pounders, but, you know, keep that open mind gives you the chance for that to happen. If you just keep struggling in one little pocket, making the same cast, going in circles, you're never going to stumble across three back-to-back fish. You know, Bob Lusk, fisheries biologist and also known as the pond boss, he's made a comment on here several times that 90% of the fish live in 10% of the water. So you, you spoke about using your Lawrence electronics and getting out there and, and, you know, trying to graph the area, understand the topography, but how do you go about picking and looking for that 10% of the water of which you're even willing to spend the time trying to understand with your down scan or your electronics like you speak of. Where does that come into play? Is it main lake? Is it back in the pockets? Is it a combination of both? Any thoughts there? Well, for example, if you're looking for offshore fish, you know, you're looking for fish that stage, whether they're moving up or moving out, they're usually never going to be in a pocket. They're going to be in a main lake area close to a spawning pocket. Typically, you can grab a map and you look where the best spawning areas are and not too far from there is where those fish are going to be at. Then you got to move around, explore 
different depths. Keep an open mind. Like I said, you might catch two or three at 12 feet of water, and then you're stuck at 12 feet of water, which you can move to 20 feet and catch 40 fish. So no matter if you're still catching something, until you realize you really found the real deal, you need to move around. Okay, so you've kind of found that through using your electronics and, and exploring and moving around a little bit, but now let's say you get two baits to kind of target, and let's just pick post-spawn fishing, and you found the groups, you found the staging areas where they move back out. Which ones do you choose and why to target those fish? If I had two baits and it's post-spawn and I could only get two baits, it would be a Rapala DT6 and a Rapala DT14. Those two baits for me are just awesome baits. The thing with crankbait fishing, people think if you have a bait that runs 14 feet deep that you've got to be fishing 14 foot. You know, I can go back to Kentucky Lake and other lakes where I'm fishing a bait that runs 18 feet of water, throwing it up into 10, 11, what I call like over crankiness because those fish love that bait buried on the bottle. And to me, at the post spawn, there's no better way to catch a big fish than the crankbait. It seems like in many times in crankbait fishing, you know, guiding down here at Lake Amistad, we pick up a crankbait, especially in the wintertime. You know, it's a great bait. And of course, it works all times of year but the key to it i think that you bring to this is that you've got to be making some contact you know whether it's a square bill you need to be hitting brush or hitting a dock pile and if it's a deep crankbait you know like you mentioned over crank i think that's a great terminology great analyzation you've got to be hitting the bottom hitting something why do you think that that's so important and even just to take this a step further how do you keep your range in the correct space to keep that bait on the bottom it's not just about overcranking. It's a lot of times it's bait speed, so you really got to experience. I can go back to, I'll use Kentucky Lake again. I'll take like a Rapala DT20 and I'll throw it up into 10 feet of water and I'll want it extremely fast. For some reason, I don't think the fish are seeing the bait coming at them. It basically hits them in the head and they react to it, just like uh, skipping a jig under the dock or something like that. You know, when you're winding it kind of slow, it gives them time to see it coming. I use the term psycho winding. I did that this past week at Table Rock. In that ultra clear water, I'm winding the crankbait as quick as I can, and it would make them react to it. And how do you know that what's going on is it's like your adrenaline gets pumping. You'll kind of get, you know, medium pace, medium pace, you'll catch one, you'll throw it back out there, and you realize the faster you crank it, because your adrenaline gets pumping after you catch one, that that's the deal. It's hard to go out there eight hours, make 1,400 casts, and wind it really, really fast. But when your blood gets pumping and you get excited, it seems to trigger those bites. Good stuff. with psycho winding. I love that terminology. When you're ripping it that fast across the bottom, you're trying to get that reaction in spite of you doing without like a seven to one gear ratio or a five to one ratio what's your setup like there i use a pinnacle six three to one ratio the problem is with the bigger crankbaits you know it's hard to actually wind a large crankbait with a six three to one all day long but that's something i became kind of used to because i do it so much but a six three to one is about as fast as you could do without breaking your wrist and make extremely long casts reeling extremely fast i've seen it work so many times and i have been behind other anglers to where i know they're on a good spot I see them throwing crankbaits. They're not catching them, and they pull off, and I pull behind them. And then there's sometimes maybe I'm too fast, and it's not helping. But for the most part, from pre-spawn to post-spawn, that time, it's really good. Psycho Winding 101 with Britt Myers. That's awesome, buddy. Let's take a quick break before we jump into the topic of CS Motorsports and a little bit of electronics education. Bass Edge Radio will return in a moment. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. The next time you need auto parts and accessories, trust O'Reilly Auto Parts. Our professional parts people know what it takes to get the job done right. Professional technicians have counted on O'Reilly Auto Parts for decades. It's all part of our service commitment to you and what sets us apart. Come see for yourself at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 
ASS Elite Angler Britt Myers returns with Bass Edge, presented by MegaWare Keelguard, as our guest in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Lucas Oil high-performance marine products, from real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements. Visit them at lucasoil.com. It works. Well, Britt, in my eyes, you know, you're the angler who really helped bring down image into the forefront from your pattern being exposed on national television at the Lake Douglas event back in 2012. Can you explain to our listeners how important it is to you in situations to utilize this type of technology? Well, you know, Lowrance has revolutionized the actual downscan imaging and all that good stuff. In my opinion, and this is kind of probably letting the cat out of the bag a little bit, but when I approach a lake and I'm offshore fishing, the only time I use traditional sonar anymore is on the front when I'm vertical jigging, just so I could see my bait how deep it is. I've gotten so dialed in with that down imaging, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. When I see fish on that screen, I can tell what size they are, whether it's crappie or if it's perch or if I think it's bass. My first time I used a down imaging on Lake Norman, actually, like vertical jigging a spoon. You know, you get over some areas and you think it's a fish, you drop down and it's brush, so you're hung up. Well, with down imaging, that doesn't happen. If it's brush, you see the brush. If there's a fish in the brush, you see the fish in the brush, so you can drop down and just jig right above it so you don't get hung into it. But it's so deadly that when I get offshore and I see what I know is a bass, I'm as confident as if the fish are busting on top of the water. It's new technology. I don't think everybody's utilizing it, but they need to for sure. Well, Britt, on the down imaging, is that something that you wait until you jump to the front of the boat and get on the trolling motor before you click on the down imaging, or is that something that you're using from the back on the console behind the steering wheel as you're trolling around, potentially kind of scouting out areas? I use it front and rear. I mean, I never scout out of area using sonar. To me, that's old school. I guess a lot of people still do it, but down imaging, there's been so many times where you go over a ledge or a hump or a break and you think it's a fish and you fire a crankbait back there and you get hung. With down imaging, that never happens because you know exactly what's down there. And what's really cool is with low-rance electronics, you can run down imaging and traditional sonar, so it's almost like double confirmation. They're two different sensors, so if you see a fish suspended four foot off the bottom and you see it on both screens and you know it's a fish, it's definitely not a brush pile or anything like that. Well, and don't you think when you're running that side by side and you have that comparison, it also brings you up to speed and, and makes you better at being able to identify what's taking place on the sonar because you're seeing it in two different views. That's exactly right. You know, with sonar, it shows so much. There's so many reflections and things like that. I mean, like I said, I only really use sonar on the bow of the boat when I'm vertical fishing. Other than that, it's always down scan and side scan. Let's kind of shift gears a little bit here. I'm always dealing with Kurt because he's all about the accessories and likes the bling on his body when he's out fishing. And I know that's kind of your business, Britt, when you're kind of looking good on tour, but in a different way, but from the sense that we're talking about tow vehicles being decked out as you drive around the country. With your business, CS Motorsports, and really your expertise there, tell me a little bit about that, because I always find it interesting when guys are at the top of the game, like you and Kurt, performing at the highest level. It's enough to be able to try and devote time to the sport, but then when you have to run a business besides, man, that adds a whole different element to uh, kind of challenging and and time management (laughs) yeah you're exactly right to give you a quick rundown on our business you know i started fishing when i was a kid with my grandfather and when i was 16 years old he passed away 
And when I was 19, I took out a $5,000 car title loan to open up this business of accessorizing cars and things like that. Never dreamed it would be as big as it is. It was just a hobby, you know. You know fishing was a hobby, but without a boat, basically you couldn't go. And so I started working on cars and all that good stuff. And when I was about 21, I bought a little 17-foot boat, started fishing again, got into tournaments, and then, then it took off to where it's at. And now our business, we have about 18 employees total, including myself. It's awesome, dude. We have elite anglers. FLW anglers, just fishermen all over the country, you know, ordering parts from us. They may actually buy a Toyota truck from a local dealership, and we have it shipped to them. I mean, we're doing stuff like that on a day-to-day basis. Yesterday evening, I was talking to Bobby Lane. He's got a new Tundra coming to the shop that we're customizing. I'm the most fortunate person in the world when it comes to it because I love cars. I love accessorizing cars. I get to do it for all the pro anglers, you know, and at the same time, I get to fish the Elite Series. It is very tough, and sometimes I sit down and wonder how the heck I'm doing it, but that's just my personality. I like to be busy. I like to have a lot going on, and, you know, I'm just very fortunate. I think it was last year on Bassmaster.com, you decked out a, a Tundra, and they took it to the Classic. I mean, you got car manufacturers coming to you to deck these things out, and I'm really interested to know, one, about that a little bit. More and then secondarily, if you had to pick three accessories that's helping you while you're traveling fishing the tournament series, and that might help any weekend angler that's traveling around fishing BFLs or or even just out with the family for a vacation. What are the three accessories that you think you've got to have on your vehicle? Well, touching base with the Toyota project, that was an awesome deal because Lance Pet with Dynamic called me. I was somewhere fishing, and he called me and said, "Dude, he said we want to build the ultimate fishing tundra." something really crazy, really radical, all kinds of crazy ideas, off the wall, something that your average person would not build, and we were all in. So we got to build that vehicle. They actually toured it all over the country to auto manufacturer shows, the SHOT Show, the Classic. I mean, it was like every week that vehicle was in Detroit or Las Vegas. And the business we got off of that, I mean, it was so big on the Internet that people were, like if you Google Toyota Tundra accessories, that would be a truck that would come up and then people would call us. And the next thing you know, they're sending the truck to us for us to customize. So, you know, I want to thank Toyota again for that. That was just such an awesome deal. And their perspective was they want to build the ultimate fishing tundra. And they were like, there's no better person to build it than Britt Myers and CS Motorsports because he's a professional angler. So it was good for all of us. And heck, I hope we get to do that again. But back to accessories. First off, I would probably say, you know, an ARE truck top of some sort. ARE is a sponsor of Bass, but, you know, before they were a sponsor, they were still one of my favorite products, and we sell them on a day-to-day basis at our stores. You know, they build truck tops that you could store your equipment that's going to make it very dry, very secure. You know, there's all kinds of brands of truck tops, but a lot of them leak. Kurt, you know what happens when you get water on all these nice yeah. stores you have. It's a disaster, so... Exactly. Sure. And and also something that a lot of people don't really think about that much is a good security system. Nowadays, they have security systems that tie into your smartphones that alert you. So like if you're at a hotel room or if you're at a restaurant and your boat's wherever, I'll give you a prime example. Um, last year, I left my boat and truck at Detroit at the airport. You mm-hmm. know, I'm back home in South Carolina. At a moment's notice, if someone breaks into my truck or my boat, I'll get an instant text message on my phone. And I even had the actual airport security number listening to my phone so I could call it. And that, you know, things like that are huge. Yeah, that gives you a sense of mind that uh, normally wouldn't be there. I, not even something I'd think about. You know, you, you think every car or truck or whatever, you know, it's got the alarm system on there. That's good enough. But that's certainly an accessory that would put even more ease to your mind when you're not around your equipment. 
probably my third accessory. Is, this may sound crazy, but we have an old saying at CS Motorsports that friends don't let friends drop stock. So, you know, a stock truck <laughs> doesn't, doesn't look very good. You know, gear alloy wheels, custom wheels and tires, things like that. That stuff builds confidence. Just like, you know, when you put a brand new pair of shoes on and you feel good about it. That's the exact same way with your car. You know, you feel good rolling around and Kevin Van Dam has gear alloy wheels on his truck. So I remember the first year of my Elite Series, I come in there and I was like the only guy with custom wheels and people looked at me like I was a goofball. You know, what's this guy doing? Is this a car show or a fishing tournament? But now, you know, we have all these rigid industries, ARE tops, gear alloy wheels, all these guys who are sponsoring bass, and it's looking more like a car show on every tournament we pull up in. Yeah, that's and, not a joke. I remember when you were pulling out of the uh, parking lot at Table Rock. I was wondering if you could jack that thing any higher, but I think you've got it about as high as it'll go. But it does look awesome. I can totally see where it helps you rise above the rest. You know, it puts some confidence in you. You look good. You're, uh, you're feeling good about yourself, and that can translate into uh, more fish. You know, confidence plays a huge role. We talk about that all the time here at Bass Edge, mental attitude, and uh, that's definitely part of it so uh the way i see it too is it's kind of like you with all your tattoos it gives you a way just to customize kind of your look you know <laughs> yeah exactly we'll have to get into that now i have to get my truck pimped out by brit and then uh i'll run up to your tattoo guy and go ahead and get that lit up and shoot i'll, I'll win aoy next year there you go <laughs> Hey, Britt, it's time in the show for our Riley Auto Parts, the professional parts people listener question. A $100 gift card is given to the question that's chosen, and today's comes from Steve Schisler of Arnold, Missouri. Steve asks, I fish several smaller 45 to 60-acre lakes in central Missouri. They're basically a highland-type reservoir without the pronounced creek channels or standing timber. They're built as property developments, and you've got to be an owner to fish them, so they don't get as much pressure, and they're about 50-year-old lakes. They don't support many shad. There's some vegetation in the shallow areas, but mostly just the foul your lure type stuff. Lakes are about 30 to 35 feet deep, and uh, they don't have a whole lot of pronounced structure in the deeper water. Typically, you can catch some 5 to 8-pound bass, but uh, in the summer and winter, even with their locator, they can't find any concentrations of fish. Britt, this is right down your alley. So most of the anglers there practice catch and release. How is he going to go about finding where he should look for those fish during that summer and winter season? Well, it's pretty interesting because last fall I did the day on a lake with Bassmaster Magazine. They took me to a lake. It was somewhere in Tennessee, but it was flat. And all I had was just, I don't know what it was. I call it junk grass. Every time I tried to crank it, those spinner baits, it just got all over my lures, and it was very aggravating. And I didn't catch squat all day, but I kept moving around. I kept moving around. And there at the very end of the day, I found one area that was just a little bit deeper. And with a jerk bait, I caught like a seven-pounder and a couple good fish, and it made my day right there at the end. I hustled all day long. I moved around. And I think also, going back to our electronics that we discussed earlier, if he's got any electronics, low rants especially, he needs to get a downscan module or make sure he has one with downscan because when you finally see that fish, it is a fish, whether it's a carp or a bass, but it's a fish. You narrow out all that other stuff, so definitely run you some downscan on, on your unit, but... Moving around is key. you got to narrow out dead water. And once you do, go to an area and keep ruling out those dead areas. Eventually, you're going to find something. You need to approach it with a really open mind. Even my home lake here that I've been fishing my whole life, my best days are when I go out there and I forget what I know about and I just start pattern fishing, just trying to look for new areas. 
I think that's the key. If he can just forget where he's been before, there are a school of fish out there somewhere. And if he can just keep that in mind with a lot of motivation in the background to keep covering new water, he'll figure them out for sure. Well, Steve, that is a great question. And hey, Britt, thanks for tackling that one. Steve, be sure to send us an email letting us know that you heard it answered right here by Britt to redeem your $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. Bass Edge listeners can continue submitting those questions via our Facebook page and Twitter handle at Bass Edge or through our email email address support at BassEdge.com. Always remember to include your name and hometown. Well, hey, Britt, it was great getting to know you and really want to thank you for being part of the Bass Edge Nation. Any final words for the listeners before we shut it down? You know, I think if you're just started into bass fishing or if you're a real serious tournament angler, I think I'm a good example of what can happen. You know, I run a business. I'm a weekend warrior who fishes professionally. There's not many guys out there who actually work a nine-to-five job. I remember last week, one of the elite guys called the store and I answered the phone and they're like, Britt, you actually work there? And I kind of laughed. I'm like, you know, (laughs) I may work 40, 50 hours a week, every single week, sometimes 60 hours between elite events. So just keep at it. Fishing is one of those things that I can remember as I started, I can remember my very first limit of bass. It took me like two years before I caught my first limit in a club tournament. And those are 12 inches. And things just start clicking. You start gaining momentum and you start gaining that confidence that we talked about. So, like I said, whether you're just starting or you're a big-time tournament angler, just keep going at it because you will get better and things will improve for you. Man, Brett, that is great advice. And certainly I appreciate you being with today. And there's no doubt I'm going to be seeing you on the road very soon. Stay tuned for more Bass Edge Radio. Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. Certainly no surprise, but it seems that the newcomers to Bass Edge Radio continue to raise the bar. Britt did exactly that, and the takeaways that I received and mental notes that I made had to do with really what he talked about. The term overcranking, cycle winding, and the quote, forget where you've been before. Yeah, Aaron, all three keys resonating with me as well. I have particular reference to forget where you've been before because I'll take you back. I think I've mentioned this a little bit this year, but... Amistad fishing super tough. I had a top 12 here back in February, a BASS Central Open. Nothing that was normally working this time of year because of crazy cold winter we had was was taking place. And, uh, you know, I had to do exactly that. Just forget where I've been before, forget areas that were traditional and go begin afresh, you know, have a new mind and go attack the lake because I would a lake that I've never been to before. And that's really what enabled me to have a great tournament, but more importantly, just great fishing success you know catching bass that's what i love to do no matter how i I do in a tournament i want to go out there and catch fish so uh forgetting your past really important the psycho whining that's that's kind of new to me you know i've done some things like that up in the great lakes particularly uh st Clair. um i actually did a uh 
pro patterns last year on Lake St. Clair, and you can see some of that video where I was uh, what I call is, is fishing a crankbait like a wrecking ball, which I think reiterates his psycho winding, but throwing a crankbait, making really long casts, and of course in that situation I was fishing vegetation, but really making contact with that vegetation. Britt talked about making contact with the bottom. We also illustrated you know, making contact with any type of cover when you're shallow cranking. Very crucial, but the psycho winding, something I'm going to have to try a little bit more, and uh, all kinds of tips Bass Edge can take from this little cranking seminar by Britt Meyer. So glad that he was able to provide that information to our listeners. Absolutely. And speaking of forgetting where we've been before, Kurt, we have been here before, and that's at the show close. Yeah, we sure have, man. It's been an awesome episode. Thanks again, Britt, for being part of Bass Edge Radio. Thank you, Aaron, for coming back to town and getting Bass Edge back off on another great show. Appreciate all Bass Edge Nation for tuning in. Episode 183 of Bass Edge Radio for Aaron Martin. I am Kurt Dove. We'll be back with a new episode May 15th. Until then, tight lines, everyone. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. The Edge is presented by KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.